from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, December 16th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, Mary, Fax Machine Day to you, my friend. Hey, it's been... What? What is it now? I, I, I'm thinking Bucknuts has been covering these for over 20 years now, if memory serves, and we're still using fax machines, which I really didn't think we'd be using if you had told me that when the first time I found out about what Bucknuts was, so... 20 years later, we, we literally barely had moving internet whenever this thing started, but now we, we still use fax machines. So whatever, I don't care. As long as it locks these kids in to be Buckeyes, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I think it's the only thing fax machines are still used for is college football signing day. Um, my One of my fondest memories was seven years ago, really a little, you know, a little more than seven years ago, because when the 2013 class signed and it was such a great class and it ended up being even better than we thought. And we knew it was great. If they re-ranked that class, it'd definitely be number one. I don't even think it'd be close to finish number two. We're talking about the class that had Joey Bosa, Ezekiel Elliott, and many more like Von Bell. It's one of my favorite memories on signing day 2013 when Von Bell. So I was, I knew he liked Ohio State, but I thought he was going to stay in the South. That was like really the first big time kid that Urban stole away from like the Alabamas of the world. I mean, Alabama really wanted him, thought he was going to, th- thought they were going to get him. And I remember you and I were just, giddy as little kids seven years ago on signing day we're not gonna have anything like that today for the listeners that want to know really the only big guy that's still out there backs is jt tui molo al and he's gonna sign at a later date so it's not gonna be the drama that we had with the von bell day but i still have great memories from that for sure you know that's the fun part about when you look back at national signing day uh if you ever had a complaint about the trestle era it was that any kid who had an ohio state hat on the table on signing day was not going to become a buckeye it was just, it was, it was just a guarantee, right? Like it didn't matter who it was. There, there's a hat on the table on signing day. It's an Ohio state hat. You're not getting them plain and simple, but with urban, it was the other way around. It felt like anybody was possible. And you're right. Von Bell was sort of the first one of these guys that we pulled out of the deep South that we just weren't supposed to get. And obviously that worked out really well for Ohio state. In fact, I argue it should have worked out even better because they should have played him a lot more in 2013 as a true freshman, but you know, old, old, old grouch is diehard, I guess. As he proved, when he finally got a chance in that Orange Bowl, he immediately makes like a one-handed interception. <laughs> yeah, and that was a year where we literally didn't have a second safety. So, you know, we had like a dime back playing safety or something because Christian Bryant got hurt. I still to this day believe that cost Ohio State a national title. But, you know, old stories are, are old. And let's move on to the future with, like you said, an unreal class that's signing with Ohio State. I think it's rated second right now in the 20. 20- Four seven composite. I think only Alabama's ahead of them. And if we end up landing JTT, it'll make it real interesting to see how much tighter that gets. That's the thing. I, I'm glad you brought that up. I we're all guilty, myself included, of like, okay, can we can Ohio State finish with the number one class? And it's fun. I mean, that's natural. But I think my advice would be, including to myself, just focus mostly on this is a freaking great class. This, you know, yeah, it'd be cool if they beat Alabama for the mythical recruiting national championship. There are two classes in the country that are off the charts good. 
this year, Ohio State and Alabama. And that's the bottom line. This is a special, special class, and hopefully it's going to get even better with JTT when he signs. But even if he doesn't, this is a great class, and I think they're going to get JTT. So I think that's the biggest thing to focus on today is what a wonderful class they're going to bring in in 2021. Yeah, well, let's let, let's talk about it real quick here, then, just so people understand what it is. You have a hundred of, of your of your uh, twenty-one commits in the top one hundred. You have two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve in the top one hundred in the country overall, not in their position overall. And then the top two, four, seven, that number jumps all the way up to seventeen kids in the top two, four, seven. That's absurd. And then the only kids that are outside of that. Are Zen Mikulski, who's one of the fastest rising players in the country as a tackle. Um, you have tight end Sam Hart, who's out of Colorado, and that's kind of a harder state to get highly rated. An Ohio kid and Jalen Johnson, and a punter. Those are the only kids outside of the top two four seven. This class is insanely good, and it's not just that it's it's good. It's it's from all over the country. You've got six kids from Ohio uh, that you're essentially monopolizing yourself into the top couple kids in the state. Um, right now, Ohio State, according to, to the rankings, has um, the top four in the state and uh, five of the top six, including Ben Chrisman, who's a offensive lineman out of R- uh, Richfield, Ohio. And then you've also, just to add to all the fun here, you've got two kids from Virginia. Uh, and, and then you, you, after that, every uh, two kids from Pennsylvania and teammates uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. And, of course, Kyle McCord, who's one of the top quarterbacks in the country. And then after that, it's all over the country. You got Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Washington, Missouri. And I'm trying to remember who else. Oh, I already mentioned Colorado. And then they got Arizona. So you've got kids from all over the country. And these are kids who are rated third in the state that they're coming from, fourth in the state they're coming from, second in the state they're coming from. You know, it's, it, I mean, when was the last time Ohio State pulled the number two kid out of the state of Texas? And don't tell me Quinn Ewers because that hasn't formally happened yet. So, you know, we're in a position right now with Ohio State where this is truly a national recruiting school at this point. Yes, we, we're going to take the top kids in Ohio. Jim Trestle used to take 10 to 12. Urban was more like eight. Ryan Day's in that six to eight range right now. And that's great. You want the top Ohio kids to be here. But, man, when you're getting guys like a kid like Travion Henderson, you know, or, or a kid like Ja'Kalen Johnson were the sort of kids that Ohio State didn't land 15 years ago, right? They just didn't. And now you got them coming to Columbus as part of one of the highest rated recruiting classes in 24-7 history. That's the other kicker here. They're second this country because they're second in the country this year because Alabama's class is so far off the chart, right? But there's an average recruiting ranking in this class of like 94.6 or something insane. And JTT's not even in it yet. If Alabama wasn't chasing a historically good class as well, Ohio State would be the number one class runaway in the country right now. And as you mentioned, they continue to crush it in Texas. I mean, Jeff Okuda was the number two player in the state of Texas. And I thought Garrett Wilson was, but I just looked it up. He was the number three player in the state of Texas. So not a bad state to tap into and out-recruit Texas and Texas A&M in their own state. I mean, it's just crazy how good college, or how good high school football is in the state of Texas. And the Buckeyes are going down there and plucking, um, you know, excellent players out of Texas. J.K. Dobbins was from there. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. What's your fa- this is this is like picking between your children. I get it. What's your favorite part about this class? For me, it's it's the running backs because I think they had to land 
at least one great one, and they got Travion Henderson, the number one in the country, and they got another one in Evan Pryor. I think they had to do that. That's my favorite part about the class, position-wise. What's yours? Well, running back was the answer clearly here, and there's a whole other layer to it, too, because people – let's go back to the start of the pandemic, and I know that recruiting for about two months is the only bright thing I could think of for, uh, from that March to May period. It was, it was a tough time. Well, at the time, Ohio State wanted not one but two great running backs after getting spurned by B. John Robinson, who's turning out to be a pretty decent player at Texas, by the way. Um, and they landed Evan Pryor, and they landed Travion Henderson. And that's the number one running back in the country, and that's the number two all-purpose back in the country. So that's a pretty good combination. Uh, but the real kicker to that is not only did you land two super elite running backs, uh, they also literally had to turn down Donovan Edwards, who may well have gone to Ohio State if he'd had the opportunity and the, to visit and you know make his decision, but he wasn't trying to make one as quick, right? Well, if he ends up at Michigan, like literally the highest rated kid in their class will be him. And he will literally be a player that nobody can remotely look at you with a straight face and say, yeah, he would have been at Ohio State, but Ohio State didn't have room for him. Like that's how good the running backs are in this class. And that's just, that just adds another bit of fun to um, the insults we can sling at the program that used to be our rivals before they started waving a white flag on the football field, just like they waved the white flag in the state of Ohio and recruited. So yeah, running back is my favorite right now. I, I would agree with you there, but I'm also really happy about how many defensive backs they took. That's been kind of one of the things we've worried about the last couple of years. You know, when you lost Clark Phillips on signing day, well, they got Ja'Kalen Johnson and Jordan Hancock are both two top 100 cornerbacks in this class. And then you get into the kids in this class. Andre Turrentine, Denzel Burke, Jalen Johnson are supposed to be safeties, right? Burke and Turrentine are top 247 kids. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that. I, I think this is going to be really good for, uh, the, for the Buckeyes to have this sort of depth added at the defensive back position, especially this elite depth, because this is the best cornerback and defensive back recruiting class they've had in a couple of years. I want to finish the show talking about the college football playoff rankings and for obviously for more on recruiting, go over to bucknuts.com. Bill Curlick has, you know, has the signing day tracker up. Steve Hellwagon has a big piece on every kid in the class. Uh, we, we're, we're locked and loaded over on the website. So if you're listening to the show, uh, after you get done listening, you want more coverage, head on over to Bucknuts. We've got you covered. All right, let's look at the CFP rankings that came out last night. No surprise, Ohio State stayed at number four. There was no drama there. Texas A&M didn't even play this past week, so both teams were off. Buckeyes stay at number four. I've been saying I think they need, you know, just to be safe, they need some style points. I, I don't feel like that any longer to get in. I think as long as they win, they're in. They would have two wins over top 14 teams with Indiana and Northwestern. And who are you going to put in over them? You're not putting in Texas A&M over Ohio State if they are 6 or no with the Big Ten title. That being said, I still want to see some damn style points, Bax. Uh, what's your take on the CFP? Do they need any style points? When and they're in, do you think style points just comes down to seeding? Unpack all that for me. You know, I don't even think they control the seeding, to be real honest. I, I, I think Ohio State wins and they're in. And, I, I mean, the committee seems to have a pretty healthy respect for Northwestern consistently ranking them as high as they do. And here's the reality to me. I think there's only one – with Florida losing another game, there's, there's really only – there's not really a risk for Ohio state to get left out. Right. Cause I think everybody's big fear was well, what if Florida beats Bama in a really good game. And you have two one loss teams from the sec that are really good. And then Clemson beats Notre Dame and another tight one. And those two are really good. Then you could find a scenario where they mix it up and mix it around. And you have the ACC sec invitational. Well, if Florida, you know, the, the, I guess the other shoe dropped on them and, uh, 
ha, they lost to LSU. And so now Florida's out. They're not going to get back in the discussion with two losses at this point. And so Ohio State goes and wins. They're in. It's And they don't even control the seeding to me right now. Because I think if Clemson beats Notre Dame, they're going to rework it so that Notre Dame plays Alabama and Clemson plays Ohio State. I think if Notre Dame wins, Ohio State moves up to third. And I don't know if Clemson's the four seed and plays Alabama or if they decide to pull somebody else up at that point, like a USC or something like that. I mean, USC goes out and beats Oregon. They can get in with style points maybe. But Ohio State, I, I think they just need to go out and they need to win the football game. I think they're going to go out and win the football game emphatically because the teams that give them trouble so far this year, the ones that have anything resembling a passing game in Northwestern does not. But I, I, the one concern I have is, is that uh, Northwestern sh- has shown that, that uh, disrespect is a very healthy motivator this year, being the fighting Reese Davises. I really wish Sean Wade hadn't gone out and said, yeah, we need to blow him out. Like he just, he didn't need to say that. Like it's fine if you feel that way. I agree. But we don't need to get to the point where, you know, Justin Fields is like up 14 nothing and starts rocketing the ball in the double coverage trying to get more and more points, right? So I don't think Ohio State needs to blow them out. I think Ohio State needs just to look like a good football team. But I really wish Sean Wade hadn't come out and said we need to blow them out to the media. That's the sort of thing that you don't say about an opponent. I'm sure Ryan Day probably said something to him like, dude, you didn't need to do that. So – I'm not nervous. I think Ohio State's in the playoff. I think they're going to win the Big Ten for the fourth straight year. But, you know, the rubber has to meet the road on all these fronts to make sure it actually happens. But at the end of the day, I think they're in the playoffs. And I think they're going to probably end up playing whoever wins the ACC championship game. Fourth straight Big Ten championship. It'll be the first time in Big Ten history that has happened, that a team has won four straight outright Big Ten championships. It's going to be a a really cool thing when so much was taken away from these young men, if they're able to do that. Uh, accomplish that, head on off to the college football playoff. Hats off to them. Hats off to Matt Baxendale. He is the people's champ. You can catch his award-winning column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thanks to Bax. Thank you to all listeners out there. Enjoy signing day, my friends. Have a great day, Bucknutters. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats.